1: Hi, my name is Olivier, coach of the Flyers.
0: Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sennin. Hi, I'm Paul Hogan. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Faraby. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. Snow the
1: Goalie. Snow the 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 Goalie.
0: Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, it's the off season, but it's not the offseason. It's the on-season for the man of action, Chuck Fletcher. We knew all along he was going to turn this team upside down, friend of the program, and ladies and gentlemen, your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers, the Orange and Black are certainly going to be a different-looking team next year, and we're here to break it all down. Welcome into Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, Players podcast, Prognosticators podcast, Presidential podcast, P.D. Light podcast, Pampers podcast, the Pronger cast, the Canoe cast, the Chuck Fletcher cast, the A.V. cast, the T.K. cast, the Sanheim steamroller cast, the only Flyers podcast. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad. Joined, as always, by a man who uh, is looking pretty happy with the Philadelphia Flyers this evening. And, of course, that is Ant San Philly, Anthony San Filippo. Find him on Twitter and Instagram at Ant San Philly. Anthony, the team has... uh, has certainly undergone some changes here in the past week since we last recorded.
1: Yeah, and, and before, we, before we dive into that, Russ, uh, I need you to do something. And here's what I need to do. do.
0: I, I don't even think you need me to, I don't think you have to tell me, I know what I need to do. Oh, what's that? I owe Chuck Fletcher an apology.
1: Yes, you do because and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do it in just a second but what what I think is you know you you said at the very beginning you know we knew that this was going to be the big off you know th- that this kind of turnover was going to happen this off season well I think half of us knew that um, the other half of us was not willing to to give Chuck the benefit of the doubt and th- though I said on this podcast several times this is an important start this is his summer if Chuck has his you know has a good summer, then the Flyers will be a, a better team next year. If Chuck has a bad summer, then it's fair to start criticizing him and say, you know what, maybe the Flyers don't have the right guy in charge. So I, I was more willing to give him that leeway. You weren't, and that's okay because, you know, you, you, know you, you are the voice of the fan sometimes. And sometimes I think that there were some fans out there who were not willing to give Chuck the benefit of the doubt. You know, uh, We have our, our friend uh, spinning our wheels through life uh, who, always, who always calls him Sleepy Chuck, right? Well, Chuck was Mm -hmm. not sleepy the last week. Last week, Chuck was wide
0: awake. Chuck was Chuck
1: was making moves while the rest of us were sleeping. um, And
0: and really, Chuck was like a uh, Chuck was just like a um, a participant, a party goer at Yori Laterra's house, (laughs) if I may. So, Listen. so before we talk about the move specifically, yeah. I want to give you the floor. I want to give you the platform
1: and ha- have an opportunity to to offer up your apology. Because we know Chuck is a, a you know a listener of the podcast. We want to, you know, tell him directly, hey Chuck, my bad.
0: Well, Chuck Fletcher is the best friend I ever had. Zay Wataneo. Get busy living or get busy dying. That's goddamn right. Listen, I my my mind my thoughts um, none of uh, none of none of what we thought and what we conceptualized um, that that ended up happening was something that I thought would happen. and we talked about how you fundamentally alter this team. and there are so many different ways that we can go about talking about this and we will on this episode. You go back to, Um, I think we can go back, honestly, as far as the first year, at least that I started covering this team with you, the 1819 season where everything went to hell in a handbasket, the firings of Ron Hextall, the hiring or in the firing of Dave Hextall, the Scott Gordon era, the beginning of the AV and the Chuck Fletcher era. And there were, there were signs all along that there were changes that needed to be made. And the problem is that this Organization was unwilling to make some of the painful changes that needed to be made, and I went into this offseason saying I did not see anything in Chuck Fletcher's past that made me think um, was indicative of somebody who had the the capability or had the past precedent set of being able to overhaul a roster in the way that this roster needed to be overhauled. I pointed out the fact that the Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. Um, signings were more of an ownership driven thing, allegedly that they had a ton of cap space. And it's kind of easy to make moves like that when you have cap space. And I questioned whether or not Fletcher was going to be able to navigate the flat cap and fundamentally alter this team. He's done it. He's done it in a big way. He's done it honestly in a bigger way than I think anybody could have seen. And if, if you had gone back to, let's say three weeks ago, and you were a, a harbinger of things to come. You were the the spirit of Flyers future or Flyers yet to come. And you came onto the show and told us the Seattle Kraken are going to take Carson Twerinsky. There will be no side deal worked out. You will not lose Jake Voracek or James Van Riemsdyk or Shane Goss to spare in the expansion draft. And yet Chuck Fletcher will move Shane Goss to spare. He will move Jake Voracek and get a legitimate player back in return. He will solidify the second pair on this team, and he will make a very crafty signing that will bring a legitimate veteran pursuing the Ironman record in the NHL as a third pair defenseman. I don't think anybody would have believed you. I, I certainly not, would not, not only, have. And, and, not, not oh, that, oh, and, and, and solidified the top pair. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, th- in, in a big
1: way. Go ahead. What? And, and did it without giving up any existing prospects. Not yeah, one I, I, existing prospect was traded. Draft picks, there, yes, but not existing prospects.
0: There's no way that we could have gotten to where we're at now, even in all of the ways that you and I talked about, even for the past year, of how you get out from under these kinds of salaries and get out from under some of the, the questions around leadership and, and around that locker room. You would have expected a Morgan Frost to be dealt. You would have expected a Travis Sanheim to have been dealt or possibly a Travis Konechny to have been dealt or um, at least some painful rumors of like a young Joel Faraby getting traded. You would have expected something like that. You would have expected the 13th pick in the draft, which ended up happening to be sent out. You would have expected that potentially Cam York could have been moved um, or maybe a Zayd Wisdom, who a lot of people got excited about last year. And yet Chuck Fletcher went out. And with the exception, and I think really the only prized asset that he parted with at any point in this offseason thus far was the 13th overall pick, a pick that we had discussed, and we discussed last week with with NRD, and we discussed with some other people away from the show. That 13th pick is something that a lot of people seem to think could have been part of a package for like a Sam Reinhart, which I think if there's like one thing, and we'll get to this in a little bit, if there's one thing that you kind of wish the team had been able to do, and By the way, they don't necessarily have to be done. There are still some things that can get done. I would have liked to have seen another center get added to this and a center that's a legitimate 2C somewhere in there. Uh, Not necessarily the Nate Thompson signing that came through today that we'll also talk about. But this team, which going back to that first year that I was covering this team with you, where I said, I feel like just as a people reader, there are some weird tension things going on in this locker room. And there were whispers of some discord, some dissension over the last few years. It's very clear that Chuck Fletcher, Elaine Vigneault, this front office, this coaching staff said things have to change. And the way to do it is to bring in other leaders and is to import, if you will, some legitimate NHL players with real talent, with real leadership qualities that are going to not only hold some of the younger players who have managed to stay here and weren't shipped out for either bad attitude or for boneheaded play. We're going to bring those guys in and we're going to also have a leadership core or an extended leadership core that's going to also hold some veterans on this team accountable for their play as well. This to me is not as flashy but is reminiscent of the Paul Holmgren switch of the Paul Holmgren flipping things from being the worst team in the league to a legitimate contender within a year. And that's not to say that I think this flyers team as currently constructed is a Stanley cup favorite, but I certainly think that this team as constructed right now with the knowledge of a few of the things that could eventually be in the workings uh, is certainly in better position than they were last year. And I would even argue is in a better position to be successful than the year that the Flyers uh, were on fire going into the COVID shutdown. Where are you at? I still haven't heard the apology. I'm sorry. I mean, I, listen. I, I just <laughs> I was just effusive in my praise of all the moves. All right, I got a little bit lost, but I do. Uh, I will say, Chuck Fletcher. I I on behalf of uh, I don't know. Say whatever percentage. I would say it was a vast majority of the flyers fan base. And also let's, let's be real here. A number of people on press row who we talked to, who also were not believers in Chuck Fletcher's ability to do this. I'll apologize on everyone's behalf.
1: Okay. Everyone That's good work. Now, where am I on this? Uh, I, I think you eloquently stated uh, exactly what um, Fletcher did here this off season to turn the flyers around. Um, and I do think they are, uh, I don't want to say that, I'm looking at the flyers and saying this is a Stanley cup team per se, but you never know what a Stanley cup team is. I mean, mm-hmm. who would have thought the Montreal Canadians would have been in the Stanley cup final this year. Right. Um, but they are certainly in my mind, a playoff caliber team uh, as currently constructed. And, you know, depending on how things go, that could grow into a cup contender over the course of the year you know, depending on how certain players play, if any other additions are made to the roster, you know, how other division teams play or what goes on with them as well. So I think that there are there's there's still room for growth. But I think right now, if you look at this Flyers roster and, and just from hearing the talk from around the league, there's a lot of people who look at the Flyers defense right now and say. That that could be a top five group in the NHL. Um. And I well, know that's weird. It's weird to say that it's weird it's to say true. that cause they've not played one game together. Right. But there are people, hockey people, real hockey people, not people who are sitting there like looking at numbers, but real hockey people who are going to oh, sit there and geez. say, that's a there top five. Well, I mean, it's the truth, Russ. I mean, it's the absolute truth. There's a reason that seven teams offered a first round pick for Rasmus Ristolainen. Okay. And they were all behind the flyers, seven other teams. So, you're talking playoff teams there who are looking to upgrade their defense with that player with a first-round pick. So, I mean, it's, it's not you – know, the, the, the league is not dumb, okay? The league is not dumb. So that's how I – that's why I say it the way I say it. I think Chuck Fletcher did an excellent job. I, 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 if I'm going to split it up like this, I would, I would split it up this way. I'd say um, pre-free agency day, which is today, which was today – he gets an, uh, in my mind, gets an A, maybe even an A-plus. I mean, if we want to go give give a plus, right? Wow, wow, wow. how That's how well I thought he did with his trades. Today, signing – hold on. We'll get to it. We'll get to We'll we'll break them down individually. But what they did in free agency today was added Keith Yandel officially, although it was announced yesterday, um, Mm -hmm. and added Martin Jones as the second goalie and then added Nate Mm -hmm. Thompson as a a depth center, depth forward, Mm -hmm. fourth-line guy. Um, I, I look at today's moves and say probably more of a B. Um, I was not, I don't think that they were awful. Uh, I'm not in love with Martin Jones. I think that there's a little bit of a gamble there. We'll talk about that. Um, Nate Thompson, I'm fine with, you know, I defended him two years ago when he was on this team. You did. Um, but I did think that there were a couple of other affordable options out there. Um, maybe not to sign today. There's a couple names that are still out there that, you know, might sign tomorrow or the next day that I think that the flyers could have considered instead, but I, I don't have a problem with the signing. So that's why I said, I give him a B. So overall, I mean, he's probably about an a minus for this off season and that's, that's
0: really darn good. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, where do we go here? I mean, let's get today's out of the way because I don't think they're, they're, they're pretty un- inconsequential. One of them I think is actually meaningful. And I'm going to count Yandel as pre Free agency, if I may, because that's when it was initially reported. I don't really care when the team sent the press release. So, well, they weren't allowed to, they weren't allowed to say so. So, the the signing of Jones is, um, it's a real leap of faith that Dillabaugh, the goalie coach, is going to be able to rekindle the magic. Um, I think that maybe more than anything, that is. Not the mistake signing of the offseason, but it leaves a lot to be desired. Because when you look at what the goalie depth was going to be in this free agent market, um, I'm not saying that Braden Holtby was going to be an exceptional option here. His numbers have been down for the last couple of years. I, I would have liked to have seen that as a reclamation project because I believe that on a good day, Holtby is still a solid NHL goaltender. And I worry because, and we'll get to this in a second. I think that what Chuck Fletcher effectively has done so far this off season, and he told us, I mean, he told us two weeks ago on this show, I'd encourage people who are new to the, to listening to the show to go back and listen to the interview that we did with Chuck Fletcher, where he more or less outlined what the off season was going to be. He pretty much told us the entire outline of what this off season was going to be. And then went out and did it very gutsy. That's beyond calling your shot. That's calling multiple shots. And he did. Um, I think that it's the one position that you really did need to get somebody that was a sure thing, not somebody who's looking for a starting job, but somebody that you know you could rely on for, let's say, 35 games in a season, somebody that you could rely on that was in good form, not somebody whose confidence may or may not have been rattled over the last couple of years, not somebody that's getting brought in to be effectively like a a reclamation project, because what you're doing is you're once again putting a lot of pressure on Carter Hart to bounce back to what you believe he was two years ago, which again, I hate to be the the only person who seems to bring this up, but like the home road splits, even two years ago were really bad. So to me, you're almost looking at like going back to hopefully what Carter Hart was two years ago at home and trying to spread that, that wealth or find the, the meat, you know, the, the middle spot, the mean, if you will, the average between the home and road numbers that said, I, I agree with you. I think that these signings are okay. And I saw a lot of people melting down about Nate Thompson as if Nate Thompson is going to be penciled in as like the 3C or something. That's not what this is. This is your 13th forward. This is a guy who, depending on matchups, is going to be on the fourth line. Fletcher noted in a uh, media availability today that he can also play left wing. And you have to be really honest with yourself if you're thinking of, you know, when you think of a contending team, which is what Fletcher is trying to build, and what Vino obviously wants to coach. You need to have veterans at, that are reliable, that can be brought in when injuries happen. And it's going to happen. We've seen it. It happens every year. It's always funny to me that like preseason, you look at a roster and people say, oh, this looks great. And it's when you're doing your projections, it's as if everybody's going to stay healthy. You know, that won't happen. So having somebody who's actually played in the city before, who's played under Elaine Vino before, who's already knows the organization, um, somebody who can come in and, knows what, what role is expected of him, isn't going to try to do anything outside of what his game at his age and his ability um, dictates. It's, it's an okay signing. It's not an impact signing. It's not as if Chuck Fletcher went out and said, "We're signing Nate Thompson to be the, the 3C or to be our third line left wing, and maybe, you know push for time on the second line. That's not what this is. Also, he's like a, he's a solid enough penalty killer. Like you, you want to get better on the PK. Nate Thompson's not a bad option in a pinch. So people need to kind of pump the brakes with that. Let's go back. All right. Let's go pre-free agency. Wait Do I get to talk what? about this at all? Or you just, you just did. I thought you just did. I, I, I did? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I mean, go ahead. Tell people. I just don't want to waste a lot of time on, on these two because I don't think they're that big of a deal. I think that the well, Martin, Jones, Martin and the Jones, Jones is a the big Jones, deal. The Jones thing is big.
1: Martin Jones is a big deal, Russ. I mean, in the last three years in San Jose, he had a, all together, combined- Three years, and we're talking about him starting um, uh, 135 games, 135 games that he started, 3.04 goals against average, 896 save percentage. That's terrible. That's yes. really bad. And here's the thing: everybody wants to talk about when he was with LA, right? Oh well, that's you know him and Kim Dillaball when when they were in LA together. You know they can Kim's worked with him before, fig, thinks he can fix him and get him back to what he was in LA. The fact of the matter is, is that when, when he was with, with L.A., he didn't play that much. He only had 29 starts in L.A. Now, granted, it was 199 goals against, 923 safe percentage, both great numbers, but it was only 29 starts when he was you know, first coming into the league and before anybody really had a book on him. So um, what I, so I, I want to look at more than anything else is I want to look at the first three years in San Jose um, from 15-16 uh, to 17-18, and in those three years – 2.40915. It's okay. That's solid. It's okay, right? I mean, it's not lights out. It's not Vesna worthy, but it's also but if not. That's what the, you're,
0: but if that's what you're bringing in as your backup goalie, coming off of those numbers, you're fine. That's what you're, you're hoping
1: for. That's no, no, what I'm saying that that would be to. okay. But
0: right. that's, that's not what, where he's coming off of. Right. That's what you're hoping
1: to get back to. So what's more likely? Somewhere halfway between. So if you now have a goalie that's 2.7, 2.8, and a save percentage around 905, 906, you basically have a Brian Elliott who can play more games. Is that a good enough upgrade? Like to me, I'm a little worried because you have Hart coming off of what he did last year, right? You have Heart coming in you, you got it. you hope he comes back and bounces back, and I think he will, but it's you're going with two goalies who lacked confidence last year and that's where I'm a little bit hesitant with with the Martin Jones signing I'd have rather gone some in another direction I really would have um, it is just for one year which I think is an interesting signing Russ because that tells me that it, they think one of their young goalies is, is actually going to be ready to be an NHL level backup um, yep. after this season so you know whether that's Ustamanco Ustamanco or Sandstrom. or Sandstrom or whoever, they think that. And that's, that's, that's great. That's a good thing. Um, but yeah, like it's the one, if you look at, if I'm, if you say to me, Anthony, what's the one thing that you're worried about going into the season? It's goaltending, which is funny to say, because last year if you asked me that it was certainly not a question. I thought, you know, goaltending was a solid part of the team. Now I think it's a question mark. So Um, Yeah, like, I'm a little worried about the Jones sign. Thompson, I don't need to dive into Thompson. I'll tell you that there's, like, I I kind of would have liked them to consider a guy like Derek Stepan instead, Mm -hmm. um, who could have fit that role a little bit better, a little bit younger. uh, Not, you know, was injured last season, and the last couple years in Phoenix weren't great, but played really well under AV in New York. Um, I kind of thought that that would be a, a better fit for that down the road. And who knows, there could still be something to happen, Russ, because Flyers currently are 10 million under the cap. They still have to sign Hart and they still have to sign Sandheim. And while that could take up 10 million, I think it's going to be a little short of that. I think it's going to be closer to eight. And so the Flyers might have a little bit of wiggle room under the cap and, and if to add one more player potentially into the mix. So we'll we'll see what ha- what what happens there. But go ahead, so now I, you can now you can move back now well, that I've because, said my piece.
0: Uh, And this actually kind of works well because one of the themes of Fletcher's acquisitions has been the idea of um, maybe putting a little bit into faith that situational changes is going to breed different results. And so like when you look at what Jones has done over, let's say, like the last two years specifically with the Sharks, what exactly were the San Jose Sharks? So in the, the 1920 season, the Sharks went 29, 36 and five. 63 points. That was the fewest um, points in the Western conference. So it wasn't exactly a great team. And then you look back at this past season, obviously realigned conferences, realigned divisions. The sharks had the second worst um, point total in the West division with 49. So it's not as if he was playing on some world beater team. And whenever he came in, he was a disaster and the alternative was like some transcendent talent. So you, yeah, you hope that. that situationally that, that things are going to change. That also applies, obviously, to maybe prior to today, the most controversial decision that Chuck Fletcher has made this offseason, which was the acquisition of, of Rasmus Ristolainen, who already is somebody who should, I don't know, kind of send chills down the spines of everybody who's going to be in the, metro, uh, the Metropolitan Division. Because Ristolainen is a guy who is polarizing based on his advanced analytics numbers. But when you consider the the role change that he's going to undergo here, being a second pair defenseman, as opposed to being somebody who's relied on heavily um, in more difficult matchups, uh, you have to think that maybe the situational change is going to benefit him in a big way. He's coming from Buffalo, the team that only put up 37 points this past season, the same Buffalo Sabres team, That put up 68 points, which really wasn't all that much better than what San Jose had done that that year as well. And so I think like when you kind of look back on what the expectations were in Buffalo, especially over the last couple of years, the role that he was expected to play. Listen, some guys just aren't a number one defenseman, no matter how much you try to play them into top pair minutes or you try to play them in and out of being a, a top four defenseman with a ton of responsibility in all situations sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. The thing that you have to do as a team is if you're a talented team, like the Flyers are supposed to be, you try to put that guy into an advantageous position. So what do you do? Well, you're not going to put him with Ivan Provarov because you can't make that big of a gamble. At that point, Chuck Fletcher had already acquired Brian Ellis to solidify the top pairing, which is a big deal, not only for playing in front of you know Carter Hart, but also for Jones, right? You want to have a top pair that you can rely on. They're going to put Linen likely on the second pair with Travis Sandheim, who, despite being a friend of this program, despite having made what multiple appearances, I believe, definitely one where we had an extended sit down with him. And I believe he was the first person that we ever had a little exclusive little yeah. diddly in the uh, diddy in the uh, the locker room or whatever. Uh, one of the first episodes of the show. Sandheim for being as big as he is, is not a physical presence. He's just not. And so you put him with a Linen all of a sudden um, there are, there is the possibility that Ristolainen is going to make some boneheaded plays where he's going to try to be too physical. He's going to force the issue and it's going to put Travis Sanheim in the same two on one situation. He was because Phil Myers made boneheaded plays and stupid turnovers time and time again. Is it possible? Sure. But does this potentially free up Travis Sanheim to drive play, to exit the zone and to play more to what his skill set is, which is more, I would say like on the, the 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 matrix of defensive defenseman to offensive defenseman. I think he he's a tick just beyond the center towards the offensive leaning defenseman. He has those kind of skills. So you give him somebody who's reliable and physical next to him. All of a sudden, I think that's going to free him up. I think you're going to see a Travis Sandheim closer to what we saw in 1819, where you and I both voted him as the best Flyers defenseman that season. I I think that that's what you're going to do, and you're going to actually unlock the young player that you had hoped was going to blossom into a potential top pair defenseman with Ivan Provorov. Now, all of a sudden, you solidified your top four. I was okay with the acquisition of Ristolainen. In the moment, I didn't like parting with the 13th pick because so many people that I had heard from and that you had heard from believed that the 13th pick could have been used for a bigger name, for a bigger impact, like top six forwards in the aftermath of it, sitting back, thinking about it, looking at what was traded. It's okay.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's more than okay because it was a, not a great draft. Wasn't it, you know, wasn't uh, the, the talent level dropped off precipitously from, you know, the top eight players or so. And then the next group was like a group of 50, right? I mean, so like there was that, there was a, a significant drop off at that point. So you, the player you're getting at 13 is no different or not much different. I shouldn't say no different, but not much different than maybe the player that you got at 46. Is that what I picked? Whatever it was, 40, yep. 46, 47, whatever. Um, so, so that, you know, and, and plus you didn't, there was, you know, lot, not as much information about these players. Um, the scouts felt good that they were going to get a good player that was going to drop. Um, mm-hmm um which which they they felt that they did in the second round but they it, you know you also made this trade without giving up and I mentioned this earlier without giving up a, a prospect you didn't have to give up Morgan Frost you, you didn't have to give up um Tyson Forster you didn't have to give up Zade Wisdom you didn't have to give up uh Wade Allison or or um Igor Zamola or you know anybody that you consider a top Top even the sand, like you mentioned, Sandheim. You didn't even
0: have to. Yeah. Sandheim or, I mean, obviously Myers had been dealt, but when right. you thought about getting a top four defenseman, you thought that one of those guys would have to be moved. And,
1: yeah. And, and, and so you have to part with one. So, and then everybody, everybody kind of freaked out. Well, will they also get traded the second. Okay. But the second that they traded was from 2023, that yeah. pick second rounders hit in, in the NHL about 25% of the time. So you're talking about, you know, a one in four chance that the that player, is a success and they make, they reach the NHL in 2028. I mean, are we really worried about a player seven years down the road? They can't recoup a pick in that amount of time um, to replace that pick. So like, that's irrelevant to me. And Robert Hague had to be included just for, you know, the financial end of things. Um, But I'm sure that there's a lot of fans who are not upset to see Hague go. Um, Hague, in all honesty, is probably the, the lone player that Chuck moved out, who was not, um, uh, I don't want to call, lock, say these guys were locker room cancers, but there was was not a, um, you know, a, a, a,
0: a bringer ad, a bringer of discord. a, malcontent, yeah, a discord, yeah, a... malcontent,
1: yeah, you know, um, locker room lawyer kind of thing. Like, I think that there, I think he's the only one, that he moved that wasn't one of those guys. I think everybody else that got moved kind of fit that, that role in the locker room, um, creating a divide amongst players. Um, So, I mean, really when you, when you look at it, isn't that worth upgrading your, your defense, the way you did. And now when you say, I'm, you know, I told you, I mentioned that there are some hockey people who, who look at this defense and say it's top five in the league now. But not just – let's not just look at it as a five-on-five five thing. Let's look at it from a special teams perspective. Keith Yandel has been one of the best power play quarterbacks in hockey for years. I mean, the last time there was an 82-game season, he had 32 power play assists. 32. I mean, that's a lot. Even last year, I think he had 17. He had, seven,
0: he had 17 and a goal. So yeah, 18 50, power play points in, in an abbreviated games. season. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy good. Um, he's likely well, here, he, really quick. Let me let me interrupt. Is he So last last off season, Chuck Fletcher went out and he brought in Eric Gustafson, who was thought to be one of the guys that you were going to rely on in like power play, the second power play unit. Is Yandel right now a better defenseman than Eric Gustafson was a year ago? Yes. Is he a better power play contributor than Eric Gustafson was a year ago? Yes. Is he making less money than Shane bear was to play effectively the same role?
1: Yes, much less, 3.6 million less. And there you
0: go. Yeah, no, I mean, I it, all all reasons why this was a good move. No,
1: Yandel's a great signing. Not only that, and the one one of the things you didn't even mention, Russ, is you know we we talk, we talked about just how great of a season Kevin Hayes had two seasons ago, and he didn't have a great season last year, and now you brought in two BC guys who he's really close with, both in Cam Atkinson and and Keith Yandel. I think you kind of get him back feeling good and back being the the fun loving, you know, guy who kind of kept the, the, kept the, the tenor of the locker room light and kept the, the team loose and played some really good hockey when he's, when he's in that mode. So I think that, you know, Yandel also helps Kevin Hayes in that yep. regard as, as a, you know, off ice. Um, but it's not just Yandel. Ryan Ellis was a very good power play guy with Nashville. Um, Rich Delinen was a very good power play guy with Buffalo, you know, Provorov was the power play guy here in Sanheim, sometimes on the second pair. You have five defensemen now who can who can play the power play. Now, only three of them probably are going to get any kind of regular minutes. Yandel on the top group and probably um, Ellis and either Provorov or And I'm not certain Provorov's locked into that second pair now, um, but that's, that's probably what you're going to get. The, the fact of the matter is, though, is you have five guys who can do it. Okay, yep. then you look at the penalty kill. Provarov's going to play a ton on PK. Risto going to play a ton on PK. Justin Braun's going to play a lot on PK. Um, Ellis can play PK. I mean, he's he played he was an all situations player for Nashville. So you you pretty much have four locked in defensemen on your penalty kill, and then you added Cam Atkinson, who's arguably one one A forward and killing penalties in the league. Second to only to Brad Marchand and shorthanded goals since 2014. Um, Nate Thompson, we know is a a good penalty killer from when he was here. Lawton's a good penalty killer. So Couturier, obviously is a good penalty killer. Giroux kills penalties well. So now all of a sudden you're looking at, hey, the Flyers have several forwards who can kill penalties, several defensemen who can kill penalties. The depth of the special teams is vastly improved just by these moves as well. And I think that that's something that's maybe lost a little bit because everybody looks at well, what are the lines, what are the deep pairs. But I think that the, when you look at special teams, they they, they, infin- they got to be infinitely better on both sides based on the additions you made this, this offseason.
0: Well, and I think that's a big thing, right? You think about how you flip a game on its head. And, and obviously power play and PK are, are two areas that this team has struggled with. Especially struggled with last year. You look at the PK percentage for this team a season ago um, 73.1%. It was the second worst in the league. Only the New Jersey Devils had a worse PK uh, percentage. You look at power play. How many times did we talk about the fact that this team didn't have any real killers? It was a lot of guys who tried to get cute, who tried to get fancy, who overpassed. They finished in the middle of the pack. They were 18th last year. Uh, At 19.2% on the power play. Well, as you just outlined, both of those units are set to get a boost by these acquisitions. And I think we can kind of go back to one of those concepts that we talked a lot about last year, which is the cascade effect. Think back to a year ago. And and by the way, this is something that Chuck Fletcher effectively confirmed on the show two weeks ago. They went into last season not making any kind of real fundamental changes in the offseason they rolled the dice that a number of young players on this team were going to take the next step forward, maybe even two steps forward or one giant leap forward. And quite frankly, not enough of them did. In fact, Joel Faraby is arguably the only young player on last year's team that you can say definitely got better, rose to the occasion. Other than that, it was a lot of veteran players. We talked about the resurgence of James Van Riemsdyk. We talked about Claude Giroux having a solid season. We had a Conversation about stretches of Jake Voracek having a decent year. We did talk about Kevin Hayes regressing or not playing up to the same level in all situations. Travis Konechny disappeared. Phil Myers made a lot of boneheaded plays. I think that's a big reason that you saw Travis Sandheim's stock fall so much, at least among fans and some pundits. All right. So what do you do? You go out and you acquire players that are going to take immediate pressure off of some of your young guys. So Ryan Ellis comes in and is going to play the Matt Niskanen role. He'll be the guy that's going to get Ivan Provorov playing back at that one or one a defenseman level. You bring in Erasmus Rasmus who's going to bring that physical presence, who's going to bring a steady hand on that second pair and who hopefully is going to elevate Travis Sandheim back into that number three defenseman kind of territory. You go out and you bring in a guy like Cam Atkinson who can bring consistency in all situations, who's going to take a lot of pressure off his team. Who's going to take pressure off of some younger guys that might've been forced into a PK role that they wouldn't have been confident or comfortable in. And Oh, by the way, I think arguably the biggest thing that all of this does is that third pair on defense. Now you have Justin Braun, the consummate professional and Keith Yandel likely playing a, a large majority of games, at least until he theoretically breaks the record for consecutive games played. You now have a legitimate veteran third pair on this team that's going to be um, consistent that in theory should play decently well off each other. I think that Yandel at this stage in his career really is going to be more of your power play specialist. I think he's going to play a little bit more conservatively than what you might have otherwise expected. He's going to have to play more like that. Otherwise, you run the risk of like that ghost and Braun pairing that didn't work out well or the Eric Gustafson and Braun pairing, which also didn't work. But what this now does is it no longer puts all the onus on Cam York to start the season on the third pair, where he either proves that he belongs or gets exposed. It allows Igor Zamula to have another year or another half season, at least to build up his body, to build up the speed of play, connecting the dots to be somebody who can play at the NHL level. It no longer requires the possibility of having Sam Moran play significant minutes on the third pair. Now, Sam Moran is like the outlier because it's really not about development with him. He's going to be your seventh defenseman. He'll be in and out. It all depends on how how the the opposing lineup shakes out. But to me, when you go into a season and you have York and Zamula, who in theory are at some varying level of NHL readiness, you're putting them in a position where you want to be as a contending team, where you're not over-relying on a young guy from day one. Rather, you're saying, we want you to develop but we're going to give you a chance. If Cam York or Igor Zamula, but I think York is probably more likely. If one of those guys play their way onto the team, play their way onto the opening night roster or 30 games into the season are tearing up the AHL. There's an injury and they play themselves into a spot in this lineup and they don't relinquish it. Well, that's what you want. You're putting them in a low stress, a low pressure situation, and you're allowing them to flourish. Whereas a season ago, You had so many young players that you effectively threw to the Wolves and proved that they got eaten alive. So to me, this is a fundamental shift in the mentality of how this team has been built. And to me, this is what I was screaming about last year in the offseason. This is what, to me, you want to see of a team that is kind of transitioning between the young guys and some of your older veterans who are looking at their future in hockey and realizing they don't have a ton of years left at a certain level. This is how you streamline that and this is showing that Fletcher to his credit has a long view of the room in addition to maximizing what he has right now in the short term.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you on that Ross. I I think that when you're building a competitive contending team, you have to your, your team has to be made up Majority of of veterans, and I, I, you know, we've we've had this discussion in previous seasons. You know, when going back to the Dave Hackstall era, um, and fans would just scream, "Let the kids play, let them play, bring them up, let them play." Well, you saw what happened last year when they let the kids play, and that's not knocking the kids. It's just that they're just not they're not cooked in the oven long enough, right? They need a little bit more time. So if you want to be a contender, if you want to be a team that is going to make the playoffs and have a chance in the playoffs to make a run, you have to be more veteran than, than youth. That's not to say that there can't be youth that contributes. There certainly can. And you could probably have, you know, four or five young guys contributing, um, but they have to be contributing in specific roles unless they're star players, right? Unless they're, you know, generational talents, um, but they have to be in, in specific roles and deployed properly and they can't be the ones that are, are being relied on heavily to carry the team. And I think that that, you know, when you have that mix, and I think that this flyers team is a good mix, man, there's a lot of guys in this, on this roster now who've, who've worn letters for different teams. I mean, a yeah. lot, a lot of guys. Um, well, go, go down the list. Well, you start with who's already, who's stayed. Well, Start with well, who's, are, who's already on the okay. team drew, Couturier, Provorov, okay? They're the three that, that are coming back from last year because Voracek was the other one. Oh, and Hayes. I'm sorry, Kevin Hayes, four, okay? Then Ellis is five. Ristalainen is six. Yandel is seven. Atkinson is eight. I believe Nate Thompson had an A at one point. So Let's if, give it to him. Give it to him. That would make nine. That would be nine guys who've worn letters – out of 20 has has braun ever had an a or no uh, i don't think he did in san jose i don't think you would have to look that up I, I don't think he did um but still i mean he's a veteran guy i mean he kind of fits that mold that you know he could be a leader without a letter kind of thing um but yeah you're you're, you're talking about nine players on this roster who've been in leadership positions before that's a lot that's half your roster and I think that, that that makes a difference in and of itself. I think Chuck Fletcher, he addressed the needs of the team on the ice, but I think he also addressed the culture shift that was necessary with this team. Um, and, I mean, think about it. Even a guy like JVR, who's, who's you know a veteran on this team, who could be looked upon as like a leader type, even though he doesn't wear a letter. Um, I, I think that the culture shift is going to be more toward, we're accountable to ourselves, we're accountable to each other, we're accountable to this organization, we're accountable to this fan base. And that's the most important thing. And I think fans are going to ultimately really like this team the way it's constructed, the way it's put together. And I'll say one final thing Mm -hmm. because I know we want to move on to a couple other topics. This now, Chuck did his part. This now puts... Elaine Vigneault on the clock, oh. in my mind, and, and that's not that's not to say he's in a hot seat on a hot seat, right? That's not to say it's a hot seat thing for for Elaine Vigneault, um, but I think that one of the things you know, he, he was a head coach, he a very successful head coach who had a horrible season last year, and we chalked it up to a myriad reasons why that was the case. I can't justify unless there's some kind of crazy thing that happens again with COVID or this team is suddenly beset by a dozen injuries, whatever, with the exception of something completely unexpected like that, based on what you have now, this is a team that he has to win with. And if Elaine Vigneault comes in here and this team is a sub 500 team treading water at Christmas, you know, sitting in sixth place, seven points, six points out of a playoff spot, then I think the seat gets really, really warm. So that's I why I say he's on the clock.
0: No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, you know, there there are some really great things happening with the team, but I'd like to take a moment really quickly because it's been happening a lot lately. I've noticed that the show continues to get traction. Did you know, by the way, that we hit number four on Chartable's all-time uh, hockey podcast list? We did.
1: I don't know what that means. Neither do I. And I, was, I thought it was weird because you know
0: why I thought it was weird? Because Chicklets was not on the top four. Yeah, it was Chick- weird. I I don't know. Listen, they ha- they differentiate two ways. They have like the, the hockey podcasts, like current, like trending, which I think uses the Apple algorithm. Right. And then they have the all time. And I don't know what the all time is, but I can tell you that last year we were at like 49. And now we're, we were at four as of this week. So, I mean, I see the listener numbers. Would you believe me if I told you that megaphone has provided us the data that since the beginning of the year, we are in the tens of thousands of unique listeners to this program. It's That's crazy awesome, Anthony. It's awesome. It's crazy stuff. No, I love so, it. And it's only going to get
1: better when we have an announcement sure. in August.
0: I <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <throat> might say it's a big one, Anthony. You might yes. say it's a, it's, a, it's a big announcement. It is a big um, announcement. We know that there's a... Uh, the, the number of people listening to the show who are enjoying the show and all that jazz when we see the five star ratings coming in and you and i talked about this but there are a number of five star reviews that have come in in recent weeks so we're actually going to split them up so let's get a few of them in now and then we'll go to our next topic uh sean 2811 checked in with a five star review back on the 13th my god best flyers podcast not even close A great mix of Flyers reporting and discussion. A must listen whenever the newest STG is available. Russ and Ant consistently demonstrate the true understanding of the game and business, which is tough to say for other Flyers podcasts these days. And then they have STG is greater than BSH. I I don't know. Tim Mangles (laughs) checks in with a five-star review. Best Flyers podcast by a country mile. How about that? Mm. Been listening for over a year and change now between the honesty of the podcast and the action on Twitter. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see where the best flyers coverage is at daily. That is unless you have a nitty gritty way of life and all anyway, keep them coming boys. We have that. And then this next one, this just looks like somebody had a seizure as they were at the, uh, the keyboard when they came up with their username. R R B O I F D D. F J J J. Is this like Beetlejuice? I don't know. Pipsqueak five stars. Just had to write this review to give another review five stars. I haven't heard the word pipsqueak since 1993. And now I can't get it out of my head. Perfection. That's a callback to a previous five-star review. I believe that where called I was you a pipsqueak. To as a pipsqueak, which was really great. We'll do one more here and then we'll go to our next topic. Joe from Williamsport PA way up there in the North. Great podcast. My favorite Flyers podcast. They get a lot of quality guests and bring a lot of great flyers. Talk to the airwaves. Wish they would release episodes more frequently. Only criticism is the title of the show. Maybe hard for casual fans to stumble across PS to the person who called Russ a pipsqueak, knowing Russ would read the review over the podcast that he, uh, that had me roaring in laughter. Good on Russ for being a good sport. Cheers. Thanks, Joe. How about that? All right, we'll get to some more in a little bit. And where do you
1: want to go next? Well, you know, there's some news, that we're going to break here about oh, yes. Flyers coverage. Oh, yes. Um, and I thought it was worth talking about. Um, mm-hmm. I think you have a little bit more details than I do because of some sure. sources that came in through Crossing Broad actually did not come mm-hmm. to me, um, mm-hmm. came into our, our newsroom, which you're part of. Um, mm-hmm. But the Inquirer is about to change their coverage of the Flyers. and. Bang! and- yeah um so it's it's no secret that one of the things that's been going on down there is that veteran reporters are being bought out um it's a voluntary buyout they're not being forced to take it um but they are taking a buyout and i say good on them because you know they're they're they've been around for a long time in some cases some cases no some you know some guys that are you know my age or even you know a year or two younger have have taken the buyout as well but um They've been around for a long time and and it's a good buyout. I mean, I think that it's no secret that they're being offered a a full year salary as, as a buyout, which is pretty cool. Right. I mean, I mean, you're, you're basically being told you don't have to work. We'll pay you for a full year. Um, so it kind of gives you enough time. Yeah. Fantastic. It gives you enough time to go packages, big package to to figure out what the next step is in life. Um, and as part of that, they are bringing in and this is where it gets interesting Mm -hmm. because they're bringing in new reporters. They're, they're not like they're, these jobs are just going away. But they're bringing in new reporters, and they're going to be covering the team, and they have no experience covering professional sports. Now, this is where I'm going to sound like an old man, right? I mean, you normally you have to pay your dues before you get on, put onto a pro beat as, mm-hmm. as a reporter just not and I'm not saying that that's something that has to happen um I don't think that personally I paid long dues before I got it now granted my situation was a little bit different um I was already kind of freelancing for the Associated Press and for ComcastSportsNet.com um so when I was at the Daily Times in Dollar County um it did take uh, three and a half years before I was given the beat but at the same time that's not that's not a long time you know there are a lot of people who usually have to wait, you know, five to seven years before they're given a pro sports beat. Um, so I, I'm not going to sit here and disparage the fact that, that they're going this route, but they're, it's interesting that they're going in this route uh, with people who've not covered this team or, or this city or at least one person who's not covered this city or, or maybe even this sport before. Um, so it's going to be a real interesting thing. I and mean, look, we're going to be supportive as, as anybody else. And, and we're going to root hard, uh, you know, for and I'll let you talk a little bit about this more. You'll have more details about specifics about who it is and, and the like. Um, but we're going to go, you know, we'll go out of our way to be as helpful as possible, um, obviously, without, you know, you know, sharing sources and the things like that. But I mean, but, but really being, you know, you know, in the press box, you know, what do you, you know, if they need any help or whatever, we'll be there. But, man, I can't I can't imagine because I, I remember what it was like when I first started this. And I can't imagine being that young and that inexperienced and being thrown to the wolves, which is covering – and there is a lot of wolves in pro Mm -hmm. sports coverage. I mean, it Mm -hmm. really is. It eats you up quick. Um, And and I can't imagine what what that's going to be like for someone who's 22 years old coming in and, and trying to do that in a hotly competitive market with a passionate fan base like Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, so there are a few things that are at play here. And obviously you said they. Pronouns are important in this case because as of right now, only one of the people from the Philadelphia Inquirer, I believe, has publicly acknowledged taking a buyout, and that's Ed Barkowitz. So obviously they were going to replace Ed. Um, Mike Sielski, who tends to be around the team from time to time or maybe a little bit more than that, is a columnist for the, the paper. So he's not going to be assigned to the beat. He'll still be there. He'll still be writing his columns, but he won't be a beat reporter for the team. But the more interesting thing is that there's another person who is a beat writer for the Philadelphia inquirer. And there have been multiple sources to crossing broad that Sam Carciti is at some point this season going to take The buyout that's been offered, which would be interesting because Sam is somebody who's obviously been long established as being a Flyers beat guy, somebody who um, there is a large vocal section of Flyers Twitter that like to try to dunk on him. Um, He's a nice man. I don't really have disparaging things to say, Um, but he's also the chapter president for the Professional Hockey Writers Association, which also makes this a, another interesting move. But assuming that that comes to fruition, which we believe it it is going to, like I said, multiple sources have, have indicated to the site that that's how this is going. And a lot of the sources who have come forward are, are ones who've previously brought up a, a number of other Inquirer buyouts. So it stands to reason that this one is going to happen as well. The, the Inquirer is going with a younger approach. They're doing it in practically every sport. Um, most notably, you know, I think it was the, the idea of the sports editor. They've now broken into smaller subcategories where there's somebody who's now in charge of the Sixers beat and the Flyers beat and the Phillies beat and the Eagles beat that I guess everyone's going to report to on the Sixers side of things. There was somebody who was brought in recently who I believe is going to be occasionally writing about the Sixers and also sneakers or something like imagine seeing (laughs) Phil Jasner is going to be writing about Allen Iverson's newest sneakers. Like, that's probably not going to happen. Imagine Sam Donellan in his uh, cable sweaters going down and critiquing the uh, the drip. Uh, God, I hate saying that. Why, why did I do that? Going down and, uh, you know, taking a look at like uh, uh, Travis Konechny, what he's wearing to the rink. Uh, you just don't see it. Now, in fairness, the Inquirer, like a lot of legacy media, like a lot of newspapers are just hemorrhaging money. And are looking for people who are younger, who aren't going to try to drive as high of a price. The days of seeing you know, mega papers bringing in really established people is probably starting to fall by the wayside. And so what you're going to see here, even though the Philadelphia Inquirer might be regarded as one of the, the bigger legacy papers in the country, especially in the Northeast, you're going to see younger people taking over the beats. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing, by the way, like right. Young, young writers, young people can be hustlers like in a positive way, right? They can keep up in theory. They can outpace. They can outwork. there, There is nothing that says that somebody's age is going to be indicative of their success or lack thereof. It's an interesting way for the inquirer to go. And the first person who's been confirmed, she confirmed it on Twitter, I I'm, I'm hoping that her name's Gianna or maybe it's Jana. I don't know. It depends if you're Italian or not, who knows, but Gianna Han or Gianna Han, or I, I don't know. Hopefully I said that right, but she's been covering Auburn as a beat writer for just under two years. Um, for, let me see for a, for AL.com, I guess it's Alabama.com. Yeah. So she's down there covering a college team that happens to be one of the I don't know, the most popular college football programs in the South. So that that's a powder keg, right? That's a high pressure situation. It's not as if she, you know, was covering the Pottsville Crimson Tide for the (laughs) Pottsville. uh, What the hell was it called? The Times and Herald. All of my skook friends are going to be on me for not remembering the Pottsville Republican and Evening Herald. That's what I'm being told in my, my earpiece (laughs) by, uh, by our old producer from over at 610, Ryan Lennox. He's just, he's in my ear right now telling me that. (laughs) Um, So she's not coming from that. And so I think that it's an interesting hire. She went to Penn State. So she's obviously familiar with, you know, a number of sports. If you have a passion for covering sports and I'm going through her LinkedIn right now, it it looks like she's had experience covering sports, which is good. And again, we'll be helpful. Like anybody who gets hired, anybody who comes down, by the way, our our friend last week, NRD, who was on the show, I've met him at games before he's been down there. He has been down covering games before, which is interesting, right? The, the, the faceless nameless NHL rumors daily has been down, talk to him. There are a number of younger people who've been down there. And I say, this as if I'm like some old guy, but like younger writers have been down that way. And a number of them listen to our show or read what Anthony writes. And I guess follow along with the insane things that I put on Twitter and a lot of times, like we try to help people out. That's what you're supposed to do. I've been lucky in that I had this buffoon on the other side of the microphone, Anthony, to kind of walk me through a lot of this stuff. But like a lot of the, the other writers who were down covering the flyers have been helpful over the years. Now, some of them from the traditional legacy media outlets maybe weren't as helpful as some others were, but good people are going to help good people. And so I want to see, it's not just for, this new writer for the Flyers for the Inquirer. It's for anybody that's going to get hired in this kind of a market that's going to have such an immense amount of pressure thrown onto them from the get-go. You know, you could question whether or not it's the right way for a a legacy outlet to go. You can question whether or not it's putting too much pressure on somebody that's really young too early. But I like to believe that people who bust it and who work hard and are going to try to you know, get a job in the industry, they've got to do something right. And so I, you know, I look forward to what she's going to do. And at the same time, I look forward to people no longer tagging me in Sam Karchiti tweets, complaining to me and asking when he's going to be put out to pasture. So I, I wish Sam a lot of good going forward, but I'm really looking forward to not having people DM me a bunch of his tweets and asking why he's still employed by the inquirer. So, that's a positive. Like, I am looking forward to that going away. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm, ro- I'm rooting for Gianna Han, too. I just think that,
1: and I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm repeating myself here, but when I started covering the Flyers full-time full time for the newspaper, mm-hmm. um, at that point, I was already 27 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's only a five-year difference, right? But I had four years experience. Well, I had more than that. I had actually, I no, I was older than that. Jeez. Now that I think about it, Listen, was, you're,
0: you're like th- 75. I know. I was We're 31 31 when I was 31,
1: when I, I, 31 oh, when I started God. covering them full time for the paper. Man, oh. my math is bad. So I was 31. Um, but no uh, oh, man, I'm yeah. Full time. I was 31. Oh, my
0: God. Well, how Part- bad are you with math?
1: Geez. Well, because I've been covering them for for good. I've been covering them for 21 years, but it wasn't 21 years full time. That's why I'm getting that's why my math is off. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, but I could tell you even then, and I had been around the team for five years prior to it, that first season where I was there every day in the locker room, traveling to every city with the team, like that first season was a real learning experience. And I had covered the Phantoms the year before. I had covered the Flyers uh, on a on a semi regular basis, at least at least home games, uh, for three years prior to that, uh, four years prior to that. And it still was daunting. It was a still still was a daunting task. And I have to imagine that in an era now where everything is controlled by the team, so you got to remember back then we had more freedom as, as media. We could just, we could just walk into the locker room. We can walk into the training room. We could talk to trainers and assistant coaches. And, you know, there was no restrictions. Now everything is a, it's like a, it's like a communications compound. Like you are herded to certain spots to talk to people and only these people and only at these times. And this limited number of questions, I got to imagine it's going to be even more daunting, even that much harder for someone new to the, to the beat to really kind of get their footing. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm a little worried, you know, I'm not, not worried. I mean, I, you know, geez, I don't know, even know the girl, but, um, I, 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 that's why I'm a little bit more concerned. I hope she does great though. I hope that she comes in kicks ass and is one of the best reporters in town. I really do. I, I'm rooting hard for her. And, and we understand that there's going to be a second person joining her. Um, Right, I mean that was the other bit of we Hmm. news was that it was a a second young woman was also going to be joining her on on the beat. Um, So like I hope they I hope they're awesome. I hope they do a great job. Um, But I just know that it's it could eat you up. It could eat you up. So, Gianna Han, if you happen to listen to Snow the goalie, uh, find
0: Russ and I. We'll we'll be happy to
1: to help you out and answer any questions you have.
0: (laughs) There are a lot. You know what I will say though. There there are a lot of great people. Who are on press row now, who are very approachable, very nice people. Like, who pops to mind? Jordan Hall. Really nice guy. Really nice guy. You've got Charlie O'Connor. Nice guy. Maddie from Broad Street Hockey. Really nice. You've got Bill Meltzer, the Ray Didinger of hockey. Very nice. Very approachable. You got Anthony Minchione. You got Russ Cohen. You got Jason Mertes. I mean, like, a lot of nice people. A lot of nice people. Wayne Fish is a nice guy. I don't know if Wayne Fish is going to go out of his way. Rob Parent certainly will not go out of his way, but. Other than that, like, like Adam Gelston, ah, Dan sometimes Gelston. maybe, maybe Dan maybe. Gelston, Adam Kimmelman, yeah, that's right. They're, to me, they're the same person. They're not. They're like Fuse. They're like Goku and Vegeta. A little Dragon Ball Z reference. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then this there's gonna be another to person. Oh no, we can't talk what? about that
1: other person yet. We gotta wait a week. Hmm. I said, there's then there's another person. Oh, we can't talk about that person yet
0: oh you gotta, wait. You gotta wait another another week or so about a week about a week or so <clears throat> yeah yeah mm-hmm. big thing all right uh let's go back to a few five-star reviews really quick i don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about but you can you can cue that up if you want we have depressed flyers fan leave a five-star review great hockey talk with an exclamation point despite being depressed giving a five-star review because russ threatened if i did anthony would show up outside my house shirtless for the foreseeable future <laughs> But seriously, great show. This is the best Flyers podcast, hands down. Keep up the great work, fellas. Depressed Flyers fan, listen, if Anthony showed up at your house, shirtless, standing outside, I don't know. That'd be, that'd be something. Yeah. Make sure you film it. Film it for everybody and put it on Twitter. Um, Let's see. Kdev2673 says, steaming ahead, five stars. Ant, first on purpose, and Russ continue to put out great episodes and insight into the Flyers team. The only thing that would make this show better is more news uh, just so we could listen to further reaction and more of what they bring to the general Flyers fan, there uh, there are great things coming for the show. And these gentlemen keep up the great work. We have Giroux, yeah, Gerou's j- Jock, uh, five stars. Please bring NRD back on, and that that is not only the body of it but also the uh, the headline.
1: Now uh, we should point out that, line? that that, that five star review came
0: prior to us having NRD on. Yeah, very interesting stuff. It's like they knew they shot their shot. Uh, Bobby Coots checks in with a five-star review. Snow the Goalie is a top-tier Flyers hockey podcast. It's a hell of a a subject line. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to a few different hockey podcasts through the past five years. And one constant has been the steady rise of my favoritism to this one. I think for me, the credibility and professionalism that these two guys bring is not only very insightful, but gives us fans a great perspective of different ins and outs of the industry. Anthony's experience throughout different eras in Flyers' recent history gives us a great idea on how the organization functions internally and externally. Russ's interviewing skills are top notch and brings great energy and professionalism to this duo. This podcast is my go-to when it comes to gaining honest, incredible insight to how the organization is going to make the next move. I recommend this to anyone who wants to have a close pulse on what the team is about to do in the future. Outstanding podcast. Thanks for the great content, fellas. A subscriber of five years, Dalton. Wow. Thanks, Bobby Coots. Appreciate that. And let me, let me just chime
1: in on something that he, that he commented on. hmm you are so much better on this podcast when we have a guest on. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know what what changes, what flip, what switch flips, but you, we have a guest on, and you you all of a sudden become Mister Professional Interviewer, mm-hmm. and then. The guests go away, and I have to deal with the craziness that is <laughs> that is Russ, the little Chihuahua. <laughs> yep. The
0: pipsqueak. Then the, the pipsqueak pip squeak comes out. The, the pipsqueak the, comes, the, the pip comes out. Comes out So "Yeah, I don't know. I don't know but, what happens. It's it's just a it's a fun transformation I go through. Yeah. Whenever a guest is on. it's just how it works. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the Only Flyers Podcast from XBOX." Great source of information. I look forward to every episode. Anthony and Russ play well off each other. A great variation that makes listening so much fun. I appreciate their perspectives as well as how they keep the podcast moving. I recommend skipping the expansion draft episode, however, after waiting all week to hear some discussion on the Ellis trade and the aftermath of the expansion draft. For some reason, there was an an hour of airing of grievances, very little flyers discussion, and only a brief mention of the trade. Very strange and a rare, disappointing episode. Let me just say to you, XBOX, I agree. I do. Except, not really. I agree with part of it. I think that we did get stuck we, in an airing a grievance for, for a while, but we I would say that long. there was a lot of there was a lot of really good stuff in there with NRD. Yeah, no, we went and, and a we, lot of it ended up coming to fruition. So, it I, I would say that in in the overall, I would say that like going back and listening to that show is good. But we yeah. did. No, that was I mean, mostly I, my fault.
1: No, and and that's you know typical Russ, but no, <laughs> no but I will say. The only reason that, and you know, I don't want to dive into it again, but the only reason Mm -hmm. that we had to go through that routine, and we've done it a few times in the past, this isn't something that's new to this podcast, Mm -hmm. but, you know, if we we get called on the carpet, if our credibility gets called on the carpet, we definitely need to address it because if we were to go, if we were to hide away from it and make pretend it's not out there, that doesn't do us any good. It's better to get ahead of it. And put a kibosh on it as quickly as possible. And if you really go through, and yes, maybe we dragged that on a little bit too long. But if you go through and listen to the entire episode, uh, almost everything the Flyers did, we discussed in advance of it happening. So you know, it, it, I think it validated us in a lot of ways, and that's mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. So that's why I'm not as uh, upset with with the podcast, other than maybe we carried it on a
0: little bit too long. We did have a couple. I will be transparent. We did have a couple of people who left like sad reviews. And the sad reviews were about the fact that we are too confrontational, I guess, uh, with other outlets, which is fine. That's like totally fine. If, yeah. if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. I'm not going to tell you that you feel right or you feel wrong. You can feel how you want to feel. Yeah. I think it's totally fine. And by the way, I had somebody reach out to me from another podcast. They DM'd me and they said, are we beefing? And I said, no, I don't think so. I just think that we need to make sure that any beef that's out there, we just don't put out there. and We'll be fine. Yeah, I want everybody to succeed. You know, it's just I just want us to succeed a little bit more. Is that wrong? I don't know if that's wrong. All right, let's go. We have two more, two more new five star reviews, and then Anthony, is there anything else that you want to get to? Tell me uh, in a second. I, Great, I see, I see three more. No, because one of them is a repeat. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian Ackerman checks in. Great stuff. Excellent podcast about the Orange and Black. Being an out of state fan, it helps me stay in the know with all the happenings. Let's go Flyers! Finally, finally. I don't know if this guy is T H Eat Dog. I don't know if it's the Eat Dog. I don't know if it's T Heat Dog. I think well, the I capital. Really I think
1: the capital letters would separate,
0: right? The T is capitalized. T-he- so we're going T Heat Dog. So I'm going T Heat Dog. Yes, that's what okay. I. Would do. I don't. I, okay, I was just hoping this wasn't like a Ben Dover, <clears throat> or you know something like that. I think we're. I think we're okay. Oh, yes, the best Flyers podcast. Hey, guys, I was drawn into your podcast through your intermission uh, live playoff streams on Twitter. You all are very interactive and a blast to listen to. A couple of reasons why you were uh, my favorite. I can listen to you with the kids in the car, which is a plus for long trips. You guys have great insight and content on the team, and I look forward to weekly episodes. Your guys' chemistry is great, and you all crack me up. Thanks for what you all do, and keep up the great work. Go Flyers. I want to apologize to T. Heat Dog for the NRD episode or our language i did listen i did put out i said early that that was going to be an episode that you might not want to listen to with your kids in the car so and this this review came in on tuesday came in yesterday so obviously that person was also appreciative of the fact that i put that little disclaimer out there we usually keep it g-rated around here but sometimes sometimes it gets a little bit heated yeah yeah i think that's fair i think we're good i think that's fair
1: so, yeah. Russ, really, kind of just looking ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's obviously the only news that's that's going to be left to kind of discuss here in the in the coming six weeks, really, um, would be when Hart and and or Sanheim sign, mm-hmm. um, and if there is another maybe small move that Chuck might try to try to do before the start of training camp. Um, so we're really going to be hitting a a lull, um, in the summer. So I, I think what would might be in, uh, a good idea is you know maybe try and uh, bring a couple people back on or, or bring some more some more guests in and kind of do what we did last summer and, and and try and have some fun that way. What do you think?
0: I think it's a great idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I okay. think so. All right. So yeah. I'll 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 get on that. Maybe we can we can do that and. Uh, in conjunction with um, all the big announcements that we're going to have for the 21-22 season, which I got to tell, tell you guys, I don't usually express my excitement for things. I know Russ <laughs> likes to joke that um, uh, the five-star make me smile. Um, and I think that that started with Russ reading them at the very beginning of the when we first started this podcast and he started reading them. And every time I was like rolling my eyes, like, here I go, I got to sit- I got to sit through this. Um, so I think that that's where that kind of came from. But I really am actually 100% excited about the news that we're going to have about the expansion.
0: Oh, careful.
1: Uh, careful. Well, I'm not going to say anything careful. further. Careful. The expansion careful. of the, of what we're doing with Snow the Goalie. OK, we can say is that. that, that f- is fair. there anything wrong with saying that?
0: I don't think so. I think that was probably fair. That's fair, right? I mean, so the expansion it's of what we're expansion. doing with Snow the Gold. Expansion is a good word. Yeah. yeah. I would yeah. say that in the meantime, because, you know, obviously the goal here is going to be to have some, some new guests, maybe some old guests come back onto the show. I just want to go through because I know that like some people are new to the show or have only found us in recent weeks and are checking us out again. I want to remind people. Here are some of the names. I think I can go through these pretty quickly. Names of people who have been on the show before. They can go find in the archives, wherever you're listening to this, if it's on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. Here are some of the people that we've had on in the past. Ron Hextall, when he was the sitting GM of this team. Alex Lyon. We had Jordan Wheel. That actually was a really good one. Jordan Wheel was the one who talked about the, uh, the fan in the AHL game taking his prosthetic leg off and chugging yes. beer out of it. So that, that one's that actually a, pretty funny to go back and listen to. Yeah. Um, we had Dale Weiss on right before the flyers cut him. Um, like the that is before. totally, by the way, that is totally our fault. Dale Weiss getting cut by the flyers is a hundred percent our fault. It has never been, you know, officially confirmed to us, but the interview with him went live six hours later, he got cut. What? Well, we're sent away. Um, who else did we have? We've had Scott Hartnell on. That was when Hartnell, I believe, was getting. I'm trying to think. He was getting honored with something. Uh, pre. I think it was when I think it was
1: when he retired. It was kind of like a. That was it. Yeah, his retirement ceremony. Yeah,
0: we had the biggest suitcase to ever play the game. Mike McKenna was on the show. Who, interestingly,
1: uh, on Twitter today announced that his favorite fran of all the franchises that he played for, that the favorite franchise that he was ever a part of was the Dallas Stars. Oh. Ah! Which was I
0: thought was interesting. Maybe he's heading. Maybe he's heading there. So, well, we've had Scott Gordon on. Scott Gordon, of course, when he was the interim coach of this team. Dave Hackstall, by the way, owes us an interview. He did promise us that he was going to come on the show, and then he got fired. So, Dave, I know you're probably still listening out there in Seattle. We're going to hold you to it, fella. All right, we're going to. You I know the Flyers' second out.
1: game of the season is against the Seattle Kraken here in. Philadelphia. I think that's a great
0: time to get Dave Hackstall. Maybe we can reach show. out to
1: the PR people. Of we're the... going to have
0: to work on it. He owes us and get him on. Yeah, he owes us. Bobby Clark was on this show. Um, Paul Holmgren, when he was the president of the team, was on this show. We've had Frank Saravalli on at least a couple of times. Yeah. Our friend Bill Meltzer has been on the podcast. Jason Ortiz has been on the podcast because we like to involve some of the other media. Head coach Elaine Vigneault has been on the show. We've had Riley Cote on this program. We've had James Van Riemsdyke call in back when we were doing the show over on 610. We had Todd Fedoric on the show. We've had Joel Farabee on the show twice, twice. thrice. Uh, so he's, he's been on a couple of times. Matt Niskanen, Travis Konechny. Those interviews, by the way, you can find those over on YouTube on the crossing broad channel as well. Uh, Colby Cohen has been on this program a number of times, which is also uh, a lovely thing. Scott Lawton, Derek Grant. Are they going to bring him back? Who knows? Mike Knubel has been on this show. And then this actually leads us to what Anthony was referring to about last year. Last year, we had Mike Knuble come on. Well, he wasn't even we first. Kevin, we, had, uh, we had Kevin Denine on. You know, Brian we had Brian, Brian Prop. Brian, first, Brian Prop right? was on the show. Yeah. Yep. We had uh, Peter Luco, who told a lot of great stories. Uh, former right hand man to Ed Snyder, Craig Barubi was on the show. Uh, Ed Hitchcock was on the show. Uh, Dave Poulin was on the show. Danny Briere was on the program. Chris Pronger was on the program last year. Patrick Sharp. Of course, NRD, our good friend. We had Derek Settlemeyer of Nasty Knuckles now. Uh, so we've actually had both of the members of that show on the show before they started their program, which is nice. Keith Primo was on here last year as well. Um, that was I a great. That's one. he that was cr- a
1: really great one. He cried on on the episode with us. He did talking about the end of his
0: career. Yep. He actually broke down in tears. He did. Nick Kiprios, Jeremy Roenick, Chris Tarion. These are all some people who've popped on this. What? You're not to your mic out again. There we go. It happens. Sometimes happens. Um, These are all people who've been on the show in the, is it three years? We've been doing this now three years. I think we're going into our fourth season. Yeah. Yep. Right. I mean, well, it'll be our third, third full season. 18-19 1819 right. was the first 18, full season. 18, 19, 20, 20, It is our fourth season coming up. Yeah, out.
1: fourth season. I think yeah. I, I, I think it's been parts of five years. Yes. Because I started with I started with Crossing Broad in 17. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was part of the 1718 season when we started the podcast. It was yeah, towards it was, the end it was, of it was towards the end of the 1718 season.
0: We started on April Fool's Day of 2018. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, some people would say that we're jokes. Who knows? But that's where we're at. So, yeah, wow. Our fourth full season coming up. And I think this one is going to be the biggest one yet. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah, for sure. little tidbits. little tidbits for the people who stay around late in the episode, which I always I have to tell you, I don't know if it's like the narcissistic quality that I possess and that you possess and that pretty much anybody who writes or or does a show has. But when people on Twitter start to like kind of drop in little nuggets about some of the stuff that we say at the end of the show, that makes me smile. I'm like, oh, thanks. Thanks for sticking around the whole time. You know, (laughs) I'm sure that there are some people who come in. They just want to hear the oh, yes. And then they go on about their day and they don't listen to the rest of the show. But that's what that's what brings them joy to their week. But it is always kind of nice. So let's let's do this for those who are still listening late into the show, which the data continue to show uh is a lot more people than it used to be um maybe we'll figure out a giveaway actually I do cuz we're we're in the process of you know figuring some things out decluttering our house for some reasons um I will do a giveaway of I think I think the yeti remember the little yeti uh wine cooler that oh, the Flyers gave us a, last year that was a year? good one yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a, a Yeti, uh, like low wine tumbler. So let's do this. If you're still listening to the show, and you want to be entered to win the Yeti wine cooler that has the Flyers logo. And I believe it also says anytime, anywhere on there. So this is a rare piece. This is a rare artifact for you to go for uh, tweet at me at joy on broad tweet at the snow. The goalie account at snow, the goalie or tweet at Anthony at Aunt San Philly or all three. Who cares? Tweet Yeti, and then also tweet your favorite player that Chuck Fletcher has acquired this offseason. So you're going to go Yeti, and then whoever the player is. Bonus points, which really aren't bonus points, if you include a picture or something silly. So there you go. It could be of the player. It could be of a funny moment in their career. If you find like the clip of uh, Rasmus Ristolainen falling down on the ice and you want to include that, by all means, you can do that. Or if you want to Photoshop Anthony in some really funny uh, picture, by all means, I'll also, I'll, I'll count that as well. We'll do the giveaway um, on next week's episode. I still have That's Jake Vorchek skates. Yeah, well, we need to get there, but there are a few, I, I'm, we're going to talk about the software. There are a few things that we have to do. Although I do think that it's probably pertinent that we do that soon, considering he's no longer a member of the team. Absence will make the heart grow fonder. <laughs>
1: unless, we Vorcheck, wait till, we heart, unless we wait until we he comes back in January with, with the Blue Jackets and tie it into that Hmm,
0: maybe who knows
1: which by the way i don't know if you noticed i I mentioned this in the in one of my um posts Mm -hmm. that same game january 20th would be the same so it would be voracek's return would also be if 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 the flyers allow it to happen the game keith yandel would break doug jarvis's record for most consecutive games played how about that we can't miss that night russ
0: no, we we certainly get, can't. We'll better be tell
1: tell Nancy and the kids now, Thursday, January twentieth, you will be at the Wells Fargo Center.
0: Okay. I'll let them know. <laughs> They'll be thrilled. The baby will be thrilled the most. Little baby girl, one Little, year old. they will be like, yeah. hey, daddy's not gonna be here. January twentieth. And she'll just go, Mama, Mama, Mama. That's all she wants, mama.
1: I love mama. that you put that you put that post up awesome. on uh on Facebook where you were just you were having a moment with yeah. her, and then Nancy yeah. walked in and she was like the heck with you, she wanted her mother.
0: <laughs> yeah, she finally was like kind of settling in, like, oh, daddy's okay. And then my wife goes walking past the front window, and there's just kind of like this whisper, like her head kind of snaps, and she goes, Mama. And then my wife opens the front door, Mama. That's like, oh, great. And I lost her. Well, there we are. That was it. You're done. There we are, you know, at some point, she's going to like her dad a- as much as her mom. But right now, it's not. <laughs> Right now is not that time. Our boys liked me more when they were super little. They might sell. I don't know. It's not a competition. Let's be honest here. It's not a competition. No, right. It's about, you know, love for both of your parents and all that. But. Would be nice. nice. So, all right. I think that's about all we have time for today. Yeah. On this episode. Hope that everybody enjoyed us talking hockey, talking Flyers hockey. There's a lot that we're going to continue to get into. And like Anthony mentioned, we're going to be working on some things to kind of hold you over flyers training camp. Isn't all that far away from starting from, uh, from what memory. Yeah. So we're roughly six weeks. Well, we have, we have, we have a month that we need to get through about six weeks until camp opens up. Um, we'll be back at some point, probably late next week. I think it'll be later in the week, like a Thursday, Friday episode drop. Um, if something crazy happens while I'm on vacation, if there's some massive move that happens, then we'll maybe do an emergency pod, but I think it's probably safe to assume that things might kind of settle down here for the next couple of days, unless Chuck gets, you know, really crazy and makes a JVR trade or something. But other than that, we'll be back late next week with a new episode. In the meantime, make sure that you follow us over on Twitter at AntSanPhilly, at JoyOnBroad, at SnowTheGoalie. You can follow us over on Instagram and all those handles as well. Facebook.com slash goalie. Remember that you can listen to this on any podcast app, anywhere you get your podcasts. You have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. There's probably something else I'm missing. Remember, you can ask Siri. You can ask uh, Google. You can ask Alexa to play the newest episode of Snow the Goalie. Some of them might require you to say Snow the Goalie, a Flyers podcast, but they all work. So any smart home device you have, if you have a PS5, a PS4, you can pull it up on Spotify there and listen while you're playing Call of Duty or while you're playing NHL 20, which, by the way, I just picked up. So if anybody wants to play me in NHL 20, you just you hit me up, send me a DM over on Twitter and we'll figure it out. OK, so make sure you follow us all uh, on all of those platforms. And of course, you can look in the episode description, which has everything linked to it. You just have to click on Anthony's handle and it'll take you to his Twitter account. You can click on mine go right to Twitter. You can click on the Snow the Goalie Facebook page and go to the Facebook page and follow us there as well. By the way, this is one other thing. This is like a new thing that just rolled out on Facebook. So if you follow us there, this is good for you. Um, Facebook now embeds podcasts through the RSS feed on the page. So if you go to the Snow the Goalie page, um, like if your job for some reason doesn't block Facebook, but they block Spotify or they block Apple Music or something, you can go over there and you can listen to the podcast on the Facebook page. So nice little tidbit of information for you. So anyway, for Anthony, follow him on Twitter at in Philly. I'm Russ at joy broad. Thanks for listening to snow. The goalie we will be back next week with another great episode. And perhaps in the next few weeks, some guests, some announcements. Thanks for listening.